From NBC 10 News, welcome to a Decision 2022 debate. The Democratic race for Rhode Island governor. Live from Johnson & Wales University in Providence. Here is NBC 10's Gene Valicenti. And hello again, everyone. I'm Gene Valicenti. We're fortunate to be here at Johnson & Wales University in downtown Providence for our Democrat primary debate. Joining us now, we want to get right to it. From left to right on stage here is former Secretary of State Matt Brown, former CVS President Halida Banana Folks, Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea, Governor Dan McKee, and Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz. Welcome to all of you. We're dispensing with opening statements to get right to the questions. We have a few from the Johnson & Wales studio. Uh, students will get to that along the way. It's largely up to you, though, to fact check each other. You're allowed to mix it up, keeping it reasonable. We've gone over the ground rules. I'm here to moderate and keep it moving. Our team timekeepers are working in the back to try to keep everything balanced. Let's get right to it. Rhode Island is under construction. Uh, I went over a stretch of the 610 connector today. I haven't been over it. And when I go to work, I see a new bridge on Route 37 that's about to be snapped in. That is roadworks left to us by Governor Raimondo. Do you share that vision? Will you keep roadworks in place? And does that include the truck tolls? Let's begin. Matt Brown, two-part question. Uh, no, we will we'll, we'll get rid of the truck tolls. Uh, we've got funding now from the federal government to keep improving our infrastructure. We've got to make sure it takes climate change into account. But the root of the problem here, Gene, is that the people in power in this state for years have not been up there working for the everyday people. They've been working for big corporations and the very wealthy. As soon as Dan McKee was appointed governor, he funneled millions of dollars to his friends at the ILO Group. His administration is now under criminal investigation by the FBI. Uh, the FBI is currently investigating, among others, Donald Trump for stealing state secrets, the organizers of the January 6th insurrection, right. and Dan McKee's administration for corruption. I understand the strategy. Uh, the question, though, yeah. is you're keeping roadworks. You said you'll get rid of the truck tolls. Are you yeah. keeping the vision of the way we're going with DOT? Well, we've got to shift the vision to take cl the climate crisis into account. Got it. Let's go to Lena Banana, folks. Are you keeping roadworks? I, I, would the keep, I would keep the truck tolls in place and I would step back and rethink transportation. I so, think it's an opportunity to think about what should transportation look like in the next decade, which is not just construction for, for uh, cars and, and buses, but um, transportation of the future, bikes and other right. forms of things. And I, I think the most important thing that I will do from the very beginning is have a team in place that really knows what it's doing and holds itself accountable. Right. I plan to look at every single position in government because what I bring to this experience is I know how to lead. I led 200,000 people. I had an $80 billion budget. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a sister who lives in Massachusetts and she says to me, every time I come to Rhode Island, Helena, I cross the border and the roads are terrible. So it is very fair for all Rhode Islanders right. to say, what isn't working about this system? Okay. I don't know what it is, but I know I can get to the root of it and really make it work for Rhode Islanders so they don't have busted transmissions and all okay. the things that go wrong with our roads all today. Right. By the way, you're all getting about a minute to respond, then we'll mix it up. Secretary Gourbet, are the roads terrible in Rhode Island? Are we making some improvement? Look, we are making some improvements, but I think that we actually do need to take a look at how we're transporting people. Look, everybody deserves to have a reasonable way to get to work, to get to wherever they need to go within our state. 
I think we've relied too long on cars and, and fossil fuel related transportation. And so we need to re-examine the way that we are doing transit in this state. Now that might mean, yes, we, we have to rebuild some of our failing bridges and roads, right. but it doesn't mean that we go wholeheartedly into that. I think we do need a different vision for how the Department of Transportation works. And I'm glad that I'm gonna be working with a number of groups, both in the uh, civil engineering and the transportation world, as well as environmental groups, to set Rhode Island on a more modern path to Are transit. you keeping truck tolls? Yes. Yes, so that's a no, yes, yes. Governor McKee, Jack Reed just sent us another $50 million today to be used on yes. projects right now. Are you keeping road works if you get in again? One of the things that uh, was there when I came in was roadworks, and uh, the DOT, PDRV, had a good plan, and we're building off that plan, right? So we ran the largest surplus in the state's history, Gene. Took $100 million of those dollars and leveraged another $400 million of federal dollars. So we're going to have the funds, but we also have done many things uh, to address the, the transportation of the future. Not only did we put money in for, um, for electric buses, uh, but we also put money in uh, for the um, cars, charging stations on the cars. We put a rebate program in for electric vehicles. Uh, tremendous amount of movement going into the renewables, uh, as you'll see uh, you know, when we right. tackle the transportation issue. And we have made a great deal of progress on bridges. We've got to continue doing the roads. Uh, and on, and then on truck tolls, Governor? You yeah, I said yes. Up? I said yes in the truck tolls. I'm sorry. Like, yes. yes so, the, um, so yeah, we're going to keep the money flowing in, and we're going to keep on improving our infrastructure. We did inherit okay. uh, a, an infrastructure that needed help, and we're going to continue to invest in the infrastructure. It's going to be good for our economy. Let me hold it there. Dr. Munoz, are you going to keep the truck tolls, and do you have a different vision of transportation? Yeah, I'm not a fan of truck tolls. My biggest concern is residential vehicles will eventually be, be tolled, and that, that's just a barrier to entry for a lot of communities. Uh, I think that we need to make sure bridges don't fall, uh, but we also need to really focus on alternative means of transportation. We should have intramunicipal trolley systems where people can navigate within their own respective cities and across cities. We don't have that in Rhode Island, which is why people can't go from South Providence to the CIC building. Our economic uh, plan, as well as our transportation plan, needs to align with the future, which is protecting the climate and ensuring that people have economic opportunities. So from my perspective, in terms of building new, we should not be building for vehicles and trucks. We should be building for people who are leveraging energy-based or green-based trolley systems. All right, Matt Brown, where would you get the money if you get rid of the truck tolls? We've, the surplus is only around for a while. Well, we've got federal funds coming in for the infrastructure bill. More federal funds will be coming from mm -hmm. the new bill that's come out of Washington recently. So, you know, the financing is there. As you know, we're gonna raise taxes on the wealthiest 1%. So the financing is there. What we need to do is shift the vision uh, and I've said that I'll rep replace Director Alvidi and, and put in place someone who's got a vision for building a transportation system that is dedicated to being part of our plan to get to clean renewable energy. We're going to make this the right. first state in the country that does that. Okay. Helena, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't like the vision. Like, what are you keeping? Are you keeping Director Alvidi? Well, He's very popular on the radio with me. What I, what I am really focused on is we are getting $2.5 billion to come from the federal government. And when Rhode Islanders sit back and think about all the money that we will have received mm -hmm. from the federal government, we need a leader at the top of this state who knows how to manage money, who's done it in her career, who can hold people accountable. And and make sure that every dollar we've received and will receive 
is put to the best use. I talk to too many businesses in this state who say, I've not been able to be part of this whole transportation system. I'm not part right. of it because I don't know a guy. Okay. And I think that's a real problem in our uh, state. Are you suggesting Governor McKee is not managing the dollars? Go ahead, Governor. That's you, I guess. You're, you're the manager. Yeah, and we're managing very well. Right now you are. Not only on the bridges, the roads, the, uh, the other in transportation modes that are coming our way in terms of electrified vehicles, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. right, electrified stations, as well as the electric buses, which is going to be a big deal, and especially when we're targeting them into areas where high-density communities are being impacted by the fossil fuel buses. That's being done. And let's talk also what's, what's on the horizon here. We've got uh, uh, facilities down in Quonset that are building electrified ferries for, people, for, for okay. places up in Maine and Rhode Island. And they're going to be going out, sending them out to the offshore wind. A thousand kilowatts of offshore wind are going to be there for electrify 500,000 okay. homes. So, so we know the future. We know what's going to happen, and we're preparing for it. Let me let me just let uh, the secretary get in, and then Dr. Munoz, and yeah. we'll switch topics. Sure. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, look, the governor said that he would be ready on day one. For 18 months, we really haven't seen boots on the ground kind of difference in terms of how this, this state is managed. In fact, what we've seen is very negative headlines, and that's part of the problem. We cannot have a state that's known nationally for FBI investigations. That is not the kind of Rhode Island that will generate the kind of economy that mm -hmm. really works for everybody. Governor, that's come up twice now, the Iowa investigation. Yeah, I assume on, that I'll let them keep on piling on, and I'll answer it one time. But well, the, go yeah. ahead and answer it now. Well, go ahead. Can you, know, you assure us that there's nothing at the end of the street? Desperate campaigns do desperate things. You know, lies and false attacks are part of the, you know, certainly part of the, uh, the issue. What I'm going to do for the state of Rhode Island is... There, is, is there not, I, I thought a, a, maybe I can no, answer I thought, the question. I thought, I thought, can I answer the question? Go ahead, You're finish, yes. Okay, so... You're, you're yes. allowed to mix it up, but go ahead. We'll be polite. Yeah, so I think that... You know, like I said, false accusations uh, and attacks are part of the campaign right now. They're going to ratchet up. What I'm going to do is I know what I've done and what I haven't done. And every decision I've made as a governor of the state of Rhode Island has been in the benefit of the people in the state of Rhode Island. And we got the results. We've gone from last to first in vaccination. Okay. We're opening up the economy faster than anywhere in the Northeast. We have the lowest unemployment rate in the history of the state of Rhode Island. And there's still good paying jobs Just available. So the there. decisions I've made have, uh, you know, have actually okay. helped the state of Rhode Island. Dr. Munoz, you have some time to make up. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, are we talking about politics or a specific issue here? Because I keep hearing that someone's not going to be operating under the pretense that special interests dominate, should dominate their, their decisions. And yet all I see is insider candidates that have either served in government or worked with governors in the past on things like 38 Studios standing up here saying that somehow they're going to operate differently. Somehow they're not going to be bartering for union uh, endorsements or somehow they're going to start thinking about renewable energies when all I see when it comes to fossil fuel dollars is, go is going into the, the donor roles here including Matt Brown's donor roles. He's talking about 38 Studios. You were on the Commerce Board well, at one I, point. I think that's you. I would, yes, I'd like to answer that, and I'd like to go back to this question about the FBI investigation, because the facts are, and days into the governor's term, he gave a $5 million contract right. to a friend of his for business that we already had where they were charging us a million dollars. So any Rhode Islander knows that doesn't smell right. And that's why the FBI is investigating this. Okay. I'm very proud of my time on the EDC. I came in after the 38 Studios decision. I worked to clean it up, and we did a great job on okay, that. By the way, just to keep the record straight, the ISLA wasn't a question that came up two or three times. It was a fair chance for the governor to respond. Nelly, take, the, yeah, the, take the last word, then we're going to go. Yeah. Unless, Matt Brown, you'd okay. like to get in on this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Donnelly. 
No, the only person who actually cleaned up stuff from 38 Studios and, and this stage is me. Like, I actually did comprehensive lobbying reform so that we wouldn't get into that position in the future. And so, you know, if you want somebody who actually knows how to make government work for you, mm -hmm. I'm your candidate. Matt Brown, take the last word, then we're changing. Yeah, so the governor tried to laugh off this uh, discussion about the FBI investigation. I think it's the main issue of the night. The fact is that more than a third of FBI criminal investigations end in indictment. So there's a very good chance that Governor McKee will be indicted while in office. And he deserves, he, he, the, the, the people of the state need to know, if you are indicted, will you resign? Oh, this, how ridiculous can you be, Gene? I mean, look, it's a rough I, game, I, Governor. It's a I, rough I, game. You've got to laugh sometimes, right? And, and the attacks are just outrageous. So, he, so what I, what, okay, go ahead. As yeah, governor, finish. Go ahead. every decision I've made has been in the best interest of the people in the state of Rhode Island. And as a result, we have the fastest recovering economy, lowest unemployment in the history of the state of Rhode Island, and the highest vaccinated okay. state in the country. So the notion that somehow that um, the, 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 yep. the flavor of this questioning is very desperate, and desperate campaigns do desperate things. All right, we're moving on. Uh, Next question. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you. We're moving on. Next question. Who is for taxing the rich? Put your hand up. I believe you are. Anybody else going to tax the rich? Tax the rich. Matt Brown, what, is, what does that mean? What, Matt, folks, what, Matt Brown, what does that mean, tax the rich? So the what does that mean? So I'll Who's tell you, rich? I'll tell you. The people running this state 15 years ago gave a massive tax cut to the richest 1% of people. Those are people, Gene, making over $450,000 a year. That tax cut alone cost the state $1 billion. While they left thousands of our kids without a good education, school buildings crumbling, people struggling to afford their housing, people struggling to afford their health care. And that's been the core problem with the people in power in the state for a long time, including Governor McKee, funneling money to the Superman building to build luxury apartments that most Rhode Islanders will never be able to afford. So you're tax the rich. Now, Talita Bonanno, folks, you once told me you pay several million dollars in taxes. I assume they want to tax you more. Do you want to speak to that? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a very serious question. When you look nationally, I'm very supportive of taxing the rich at a higher level. We have billionaires who should be paying much more in taxes. But we need to be competitive in this state. We have a state which is at a real disadvantage economically. As much as the governor would like to tout his success, we are 49th in this country for GDP growth. We are way behind. The last thing I think we should do is raise taxes, especially coming off a year where we had a $900 million surplus. We also had Secretary Gorbea, who's proposed raising taxes on small businesses. Again, with a surplus and heading into recession, yeah. I think that would be a very unwise I'll move. get to that question. That's taxed the big companies. Governor, yeah. Governor, I was with you at the convention center when John Hazenwhite said, I'm not going to retire here unless you change the retirement rules. He's going to go to maybe Florida, like the other rich people. Are we going to tax the rich out of the state? Well, first of all, the question is, are you going to raise taxes on businesses in the state or Rhode no, Island? No, the question was tax the rich, not businesses. We'll get to that. Yeah. You know what John Hazenwhite told you. I was there. He said, I can't afford to Yeah, I think you evaluate. We can't lose a guy like that, can we? You evaluate everything, uh, and you make decisions based on your airway right now. It, it, we're not going to raise taxes. We're going to lower taxes in the state of Rhode Island. I'm proposing to lower the sales tax. We got rid of the car tax once and for all, as my mom said, finally. And then, so the, you know, and also $250 uh, child credit going out in October to families in the state of Rhode Island. So we're in a good position right now. There is no need to raise taxes at the moment. And we'll look at 
first of all, lowering okay. taxes for our small businesses before we start talking about right. the big Nelly, on tax the rich, I'm going to ask you about corporations. Sure. We're sure. taxing them down to Naples, Florida, aren't no, we? No, look, so here's the thing. We need to make sure that everyone who can pays their fair share. And in this country, for too long, those who are wealthy have not been paying their fair share. And what's really going to turn Rhode Island's economy around mm -hmm. is not this tax game. If we have affordable homes, if we have education that really is helping kids move forward and, and, and be their best, and if we are addressing climate change, companies will not only be coming here, but our local companies are going to be growing like gangbusters mm. because we have the environment that helps growth. Tax policy isn't what's driving it. It's the infrastructure of the people right. and how they are. D Dr. Munoz, uh, yeah, Nelly Gorbea, Reddick. Why to be careful with the sinkholes in Florida. You know, it's time to tax the rich in the state of Rhode Island. It's time to understand that the federal government, that's a cop-out, is never going to do that. We need to take a stand here in the state of Rhode Island. Governor Raimundo created a pass-through company tax credit that the rich are leveraging to get deductions on the federal income tax. We need to make sure that we combat that loophole no. that the rich have and get some of that $144 million back annually that can help us support affordable housing. The Secretary of State said that she helps businesses. Well, when the minority woman-owned business requir contract requirements were waived by Governor Raimundo, she did not stand up or do anything. We have people at this stage that continue to say that they're fighting for Rhode Islanders and they're fighting for themselves. And that's right. the problem with career politicians. They always fight for themselves. I just want to caution. We appreciate your enthusiasm, but they can't hear when you applaud that loud. Secretary Gobey, you were in a commercial saying you're going to tax corporations in Rhode Island. That's and right. And you just kind of Big downplayed the notion of, of raising no. taxes. Make square that for me. No, no, no. Big corporations deserve to pay more. The Democratic Party should be the party of small businesses. And that's exactly what my proposal is, is planning on right. doing, to make sure that big corporations, which, you know, I understand a corporate CEO is not going to want, you know, their friends to be taxed more. But I am going to represent the people of Rhode Island. And so that's what we're going to, going to do with my tax proposal. What is a big, so corp that, what is a big corporation? We know CVS uh, yeah, is. No, is Party's Furniture? Dell's no, no. Lemonade? So, they... so no. So it is 90% of the, small, of the businesses right. in our state are small businesses. And they're not going to see anything. And by the way, we're looking at equalizing the tax burden to Massachusetts. So why 1%? 1% okay. to allow us to do better schools, to rebuild our infrastructure, to address climate change. You know, I, I would think that a good corporate citizen would be willing, with the right leadership in place that's actually going to be an effective gover governor, would be willing to invest that amount of money in the future. Uh, Helena, folks, you said you read through her plan. You differ with uh, what company is I, big enough. I still can't figure out if Nellie's changed her mind or if she's changed her plan. But something isn't adding up. When she put her press release out early on and say she, says she was going to raise corporate taxes, honestly, at first I thought she just meant on big companies. The fine print showed, however, that if you are a domestic profit corporation, you would pay 1% more. So we went on her website to look at what those looked like. Dells, Cellos, Twin Oaks, lots of small businesses would pay more taxes. So I guess the question, Nellie, is have you changed your mind? No. And what is the criteria for these small businesses? How many employees exactly Look, are you, going you to... You two argued this in the last debate. So Can you nail it down, as Nellie? Someone, she's no, saying that... She's absolutely incorrect in what she's saying. She's, she's misstating my plan. And I'll say this. Again, a corporate leader who has always put profits before people, whose idea of a really good policy is to lay workers 
workers off mm -hmm. so that then she can get a $29 million you know, salary. That like one. that is not the kind of, of leadership that we need in the public sector. We need somebody who has shown a track a record for helping people. Answer the question. The question is you're misrepresenting no, my plan. How many, how no, many employees you are then for small business representing my plan, it is only to be taxing corporations. And you know what? We're Defined looking what? at 1%. 1% on whatever it does what. it. Okay. Small businesses, yeah. businesses need exemptions on the tangible property tax. It's 1.4% in Newport, 5.5% in Providence. Poor people in the state of Rhode Island cannot get out of poverty because when they start businesses, they are taxed out of business. And by the and way, those are the businesses we need to help. Let me jump in on small business. Well, let me, uh, Matt Brown, and then come yeah, back. Matt Brown, go ahead. Uh, I assume you share taxing the corporations uh, just as Nelly does. More. Yeah, I mean, a huge problem in this state is that the people in power have taken public money and moved it over to extremely wealthy corporations like Amazon that don't even pay taxes. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Governor McKee cast the deciding vote to take $60 million of our money, public money, and give it to a corporate developer to build a soccer stadium in Pawtucket. It has since come to light, Gene, as you know that he had a report from his own administration that shows that that deal is going to lose the state tens of millions of dollars. He's now redacting critical information from public records. Did you think you could cover up from the people of the state the fact that that deal that you put through is going to lose the people of this state tens of millions of Go dollars? Go ahead, Governor. Are you redacting anything? It, it's well, let me, first talk it's about, let me talk about the small business. I'd be happy to address uh, you know, that another false, false and desperate type of accusation there, right? So on small business, no one has done more for small business than I did as a lieutenant governor and now as a governor. Millions of dollars went out to the small business and grants, over 5,000, 6,000 of those grants. We also put money towards the small businesses and the minority business. I reshaped the entire diversity office. 16% of the state contracts are going to women-owned and minority-owned businesses. That has never happened before. On the tangible, I did put a small business uh, article in the budget this year. Well, now when people trade in their motorcycles, they're going to get the, the sales tax off of that. It's going to help the small business. It's going to help uh, people in the state. We're okay. going to continue doing that. On the tangible, put legislation in to provide local communities, as a former mayor, I understand yeah. it, local communities can, uh, now they don't have to go to the General Assembly to get approval to give some lot okay. of relief on the tangible. I've got, to, I've got to keep us on track. We've moved to Tidewater. That was my next question. Governor, they're banging you on this. It's, it's factually correct to say it's controversial. I think that's fair. Now, you can go ahead and defend it. Well, being a governor is, is controversial, as we all are finding out here tonight. Right? So I agree with that. That's factually, uh, that's factually uh, so the, correct. Um, but yes, let's take a look what I've done with dollars that we had in our surplus and also the federal dollars. No, no, We're Governor, on Tidewater, he's I, but, saying but that... Tidewater, in the reference, you have to take Tidewater in the reference of the work that I'm doing to create an economy in the state, put people to work, and then creating a long-term economy for the state of Rhode Island. $40 million to help the fisheries down in Galilee. $63 million into Quonset to help the people on the export, import, and the wind. Another $35 million to help a, uh, to establish right. a wind report, you know, for wind, offshore wind yep. in East Providence. Okay. Another money into the Superman building to put people in downtown to help those small businesses there as well. We're going to put money on the new, right. we're going to put money on the, on the amp center, uh, on the roof to allow that. Governor, so that's, these are that's all great, but let, let me be fair, let me narrow it. Talk about Tidewater. Go ahead, Dr. Minos. As a financially struggling city of Pawtucket where I live, that cannot even open the school doors on time today, it amazes me that you think that Pawtucket has $10 million and that we can shift 
26 million away from affordable housing towards a soccer stadium, where clearly the data shows true. it's not going to create economic opportunity. Well, first of all, that's not true. We didn't I've put any it. more dollars into we didn't put any more dollars into that package than what was already there. And then as well as also, this is what the city of Pawtucket has offered, yep. the $10 million. So I think they know how to manage their community. They do a very good job. Mayor Grebian does a very good job. Let's let the other two in. Go ahead, we Secretary. Have to, we have to move away. No. We have to move away from an economic development policy that is the shiny object, right? Mm -hmm. And that benefits the very few to one where we are investing in local businesses, addressing the housing crisis, education, and climate change. Those are the keys to really doing economic development in the state. It is not one-time deals like this. That's what we have to move away from it's so that the people can actually be a part of this economic boom. That's the problem. Okay, it is your turn, Helena. So, On Tidewater. I think the Tidewater deal is clearly emerging as a big problem for this state. I've been saying this all along, and, and so I reiterate the fact that we had an opportunity 18 months ago to do a very good deal. Mm -hmm. I think the governor made a big mistake, but the bigger mistake was actually not doing what leaders do pulling really smart people together, saying to each other, the cost just went up 50%. What could we do that would really help Pawtucket? And I think what I bring, which is very different to this equation, is I've negotiated hundreds of great deals in my life. I know how to build a thriving business and economy. And ultimately, the reputation of the state is really important to us. We have a governor who is under FBI studios? investigation, and we have a secretary of state who'd like to raise small business taxes. None of this will help us drive a great economy, and I do know how Matt, to do you that. Matt, you started this. Go ahead and finish, and we're moving to education. Yeah, Governor McKee, you know, Gene laid out some rules at the beginning about some protocols. Uh, I've made a number of statements that you have said is false without backing them up. You're under FBI, your administration's under FBI investigation. That is true. You cast the deciding vote to take $60 million in public money for a deal that you had a report at the time that said that it was going to lose tens of millions of dollars for the state. Is that not true? Is it not true that you are now redacting critical information from public documents about that deal? What is not true about any of those Go statements? ahead, Governor. Hit them. Well... Hold off, hold off, audience. Go ahead, Governor. The Answer the three. Let's get them out turn, of the way. I'm not going to turn my back on the city of Pawtucket like these people on this you stage want to do. And then the river, they're then, stuck with a $10 million debt. That is not true. Because of your deal, how are they going to pay for that, Governor? Gene, the city of Pawtucket offered the $10 million. They know how to manage their community. I'm a former mayor. I understand what they're doing. Did you show them the and, report and so, that you had that showed the deal was going to lose tens of millions of dollars? Let, can I answer the question? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, the, the badgering on the stage here is a little unprofessional, by the way. You're sweating down there, so keep sweating. And, uh, no one's sweating. The fact of the matter is, the people in the Galilee and the fisheries are going to be very happy with that investment. The people in Quonset, for thousands of more jobs, are going to be happy with that investment. The people in Providence are going to be very happy with the investment we're making in Superman Bill. And by the way, also, I figured out how to yeah. solve the bus terminal problem in, in, in Providence. They haven't done And the people of Pawtucket. Okay, when we okay. finalized the project yeah. there, the people on the stage here obviously don't know how, how to get it done. I do, and it's going to be well, a it's good be, it's project. Because of the communities that I come from are the ones that suffer from bad deals like that one, like 38 Studios 2, which Helena Folks was actually in, in, in line wrong, of giving them more that. money. And the governor, at this point in time, that. in terms of the soccer stadium, nope. fails to acknowledge that it, when you front money, when you promise the money up front, right? the project becomes too big to fail. It becomes too big to fail, and it's going to land on Pawtucket kids' heads. Okay, Governor, he's entitled to answers. Okay. Yeah. Folks, folks, please, just, wanna, just the audience. We got a bell here. 
Pull it. I'm trying to get Governor. He's entitled to some answers to some straight questions. So, so what's he the question? gave you three. Uh, what's under, the question? I, I'll, I'll take it from you, Gene. I'm not going to take it from down there. Well, what's the question? It's part of the format. You, you've heard it. Tell me the, the first question. one had to do with ILO. Matt, you want to know what on ILO? Oh. You said that, that uh, something I said was false. What I said is that you are, your administration is under FBI investigation. That's More than a third of FBI investigations end in indictment. If you are indicted in office, will you resign? Or are you going to put the people of Rhode Island through what they've been through many times before, which is a trial? Yes, go ahead. It's factually the correct. Going it, down. The FBI investigation is factually correct. To, go ahead. Uh, I do not need an investigation to know what I did and didn't do in office. I told everybody they're going to come up empty. They are going to come up empty. There's, nothing, there's going to be no charges there because I know what I did. And what I did, and for the people of the state of Rhode Island, what I did was to make sure that every decision I've made as governor has been in the best interest of the people of the state of Rhode Island. So they're going to come up empty on that one, Matt. Okay. What's, your second, what's your next question? Okay. Well, well, just to follow up on no, that. No, no, I think we're going to hold it there. You'll get closing well, statements. Just, we're moving on to education. Okay. Uh, the next governor will be the de facto school superintendent of Providence. The teachers union wants it back. How long is the state going to keep control of that school union? When does it go back? Helena Folks, when well, do you hand it back? Education is the most important topic for me as the next governor because I think our kids have been left behind. And I think it's criminal. If you, if you really think about it, only 33% of our kids pass grade level reading, 20% in math. But I want to give you a striking figure this week. Providence schools just opened this week and 2,600 of our kids in the city didn't have a teacher on the first day. I, 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 read, is, I read the story, but my question was, when yes. you, how long are you going to keep them when you give it back? It has to be fixed first, and this governor has not taken responsibility and done everything that he can do. <laughs> there are many things we owe the, the, the students, the parents, okay. and the teachers of Providence before it goes back, and we've got to have a great functioning system. We need a much better way of managing expenses when it goes back. We've ne we need to get more from the contract. There's a lot we can do, and the governor's lost an opportunity to lead here and really make a difference. You're open-ended. Uh, Secretary Gobey, when are they going back? How long is Look, the state originally the state takeover was going to be done in five years, right? Then we got the pandemic and that delayed things. I would like to go back to that five-year timetable, but I'm not going to do it unless we really hit the mark. And mm -hmm. to do that, I, I believe that for education, we have to make sure that our kids are getting a quality education, that we've really fix some of the major problems in Providence Public Schools, but I'm going to do it with inclusive leadership, not, in, uh, not a leadership that battles others, because the best leadership in the public sector is when you include a variety of opinions around the policymaking table to set those goals, to work together, and I believe that I am the leader that can actually Dr. do that. Dr. Munoz, how long are you going to keep those schools if you're governor? Yeah, it's important. Everyone says fix the issues. What are the issues? We do, we do not have enough teachers of color in Providence. We also need to ensure that we're not expending double the amount of money on professional development services that we're spending on salaries. We need to reduce the barriers to entry for teachers that are coming from out of state so we can have teachers so that students are not left in classrooms without teachers. We need to make the education funding formula equitable because right now it's concentrating poverty, my which is why there's is a difference when, how long between keep, two parts how of the city. Keeping and so the conclusion to my answer is when we do these fixes that I've just highlighted, right. then we give it back to Providence and make sure the state never takes it over again because the state has not done anything to really help Providence You're at this open point. You're open-ended. Governor, do you have more of a firm timetable? Yeah, well, the idea would be to hand it back to the next mayor during his term or her term. So the, um, but there's no one here who has more experience on education than I have, right? So I actually open up schools that, and the top 15 elementary schools in the state of Rhode Island, the schools I opened up are three of them. 
and the only ones with 30 so are you percent. The, 30, oh, the only one. Charter schools. Is it we in the question period or are we in the in the debate period? Ahead, Let me know. Just yeah, qualify this, and I'll be happy to participate. You, you did so, start the mayoral charter. No, schools. but yes. How about how about the middle schools? The top 10 middle schools in the state are down. Three of them mayoral academies. The only kids in those the, the only schools that have more than 30 percent free and reduced lunch. Right. So I do know what I'm doing, uh, Dr. Muna, uh, Dr. Uh, um, uh, the uh, Martinez is a is a really good leader. He is, he's going to do a great job there, mm -hmm. the Commissioner of Education as well. And we're going to work with the unions, like I did, to get the school contract done when they said it couldn't be done. So we are making progress. And as is mentioned, you, you're on the backdrop of a COVID issue of two years. Yeah. We are going to make progress there, and we're going to bring the entire community together. It is a shame that we have leadership in this state that has not recognized that the Hispanic community, the learning community, the children yeah. in the Hispanic community are the lowest performing students in the who, state of Rhode Island. I've known that uh, for uh, years and we're going to make sure that we take my experience and help the people. Just a footnote, who is that leadership? Is that the General Assembly? Who is Any leadership? Uh, leadership on this, on this stage? I that's mean, a problem. Let's face they, it, let's, let's, let's years, understand that they've known it we've years. known this, Nothing I wrote changes. reports on this yeah. 10 years back. I'm the governor now, we're going to do some good things for education okay. because I'm the one who has the experience, including chairing okay. a school board uh, for 10 years. So I, I do understand the area and we are making progress and the progress right. is going to continue. And then we have, hopefully we're going to be able to give that back to the next mayor of Providence. Okay, Matt Brown, you have a get in on this. this How long are you keeping those schools? When are you turning them back? As quickly as possible, a few months. The state takeover. A few months. Yeah. The state takeover of the Providence schools was a total failure. How long do we need to wait to turn it back to the city of Providence? And, and the underlying root of the problem, Gene, is that, as I mentioned before, the people running things in this state gave a massive tax cut to the richest 1% that cost a billion dollars. And people have read the, the, the Johns Hopkins reports from a few years ago. Those people who came up to look at our schools said they walked out of the school buildings in tears. There were rodents on the floor. Mm -hmm. There was urine on the floor. There were students who weren't learning anything in the classroom. The teachers are struggling. And the state takeover has been a total failure. So we need to raise taxes on the 1%. We need to fund our schools. We need to raise the starting salary of our teachers. Our, our teachers' starting salaries average mm -hmm. $43,000 a year. They're teaching it, it during the day, right. and they're driving an Uber shift at night because they can't make ends meet. We've got to invest in our kids, invest in our schools, and turn the schools back to Providence. Selena. But I no, I, I, I think the problem with this conversation is we have politicians who just talk a big game, but don't have specifics and plans. So let's look at Providence. One of the things that really breaks my heart is there are 24,000 kids in the Providence public school system. Do you know how many applications there were last year for charter schools in Providence? 19,000. And why is that? Because those parents are desperate for better schools. Every kid should have access to great education. Okay. We have $400 million that went directly to cities and towns. 7% of it has been spent. Under the governor's watch, we've not put that money to use. Teaching assistance in K-3 classrooms, before and after school care, summer programs, tutoring. We, we need mental health counselors in our classrooms. All those things are outlined on my website. I encourage everyone okay. to look at it because no one else has right. a But Gene, it's important plan. to acknowledge this, that there, 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 there's been pandering, there's been, there's been pandering on this stage about giving uh, the, school, you know, uh, the school system back to Providence. No one talked about the education funding formula. Who's pandering? Matt. Matt, Matt is pandering. A few months. Matt is pandering. The education funding formula is the most inequitable thing that we have 
which is putting our school systems behind. Okay. And the fact that it wasn't mentioned shows you that he won't fight. We have it. a lot of topics to yeah. get to. I'm the, the one who just the, said I would raise taxes on the rich and fund yeah. our Yeah, school. and I said I'd raise taxes too. And I also <laughs> said that I would transform the education funding formula right. because that is what's keeping students behind. Uh, yeah, there's a lot we need to do I with have, that I have visited every school in Providence. The report, that the Hopkins report was real, mm -hmm. but there's a tremendous amount of progress that have been made in those facilities. Okay, we're moving on. Folks, we are moving on. Uh, the budget's $13.6 billion. Under you, will it be lower or will it be bigger, Matt Brown? Well, the state Gene, budget, will it be bigger or lower? $13.6 billion. Yeah, so we've, we're going to look at the needs that need to be addressed, and we're going to look at the federal funds that are coming in. But what's going to change are the priorities. So the priorities for a long time have been tax cuts for the very rich, tax breaks for massive corporations, right. Superman building, Tidewater, and so on, while people are struggling to afford health care. People are struggling to afford housing. People can't find a good enough school for their kids. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to invest in. So, for example, we are going to build tens of thousands of truly affordable homes that are green and address the climate crisis. Under our plan, no one will pay more than 20% of their income in rent. We're also going to cap annual rent right. increases at 4%. I'm going to get okay. to housing, but I asked you if it was bigger or lower, and you said it depends. All right, Helena folks, is that going to be a bigger budget or a smaller budget? 13.6. It'll be roughly the same, and I think what we'll, we're coming into a recession, and I think that's one of the things that I worry about. The state needs a leader at the top of the helm who knows how to run something of this size. I ran a budget that was $80 billion. I know how to make hard decisions. I'm assuming the budget will be roughly the same, and I will run a budget that has an education-first approach. We okay. will figure out what we need for schools, and everything else will fill in underneath. Secretary Gouveia, bigger or smaller? Budgets are a value statement of what we value. In my mind, the smaller or bigger, I mean, it's, it may be uh, either the same or it might be actually bigger because we have greater economic opportunity and greater taxes are being paid, right? That's one way in which a budget gets, gets bigger. That's one way to look right? at it, yes. So, um, but what you need is somebody who has the leadership skills to work through the budget and make it efficient. Make sure that we're investing in right. people, in affordable housing and education. Those are the values that I bring into that budget. And by the way, yes, we have to make sure that things like the Equality and Abortion Act pass as part of that budget. And I will make sure that okay. we fund access to Medicaid uh, recipients and state employees so that they can make their own determination over their own bodies and whether or not they need an abortion. The governor, bigger. Governor, a bigger budget next year or smaller? Yeah, so if the people on the stage understood budgets, they know it's going to be smaller. It's going to be less, all right? Because remember, a billion dollars of that is not going to be there next year, so you're going to be back down. We're going to make sure that we're raising it only what we need. And last year, we raised no taxes. The first year I was budget, no tax increases. There's no reason to raise taxes. Right now, we need to make sure that we're managing the budget well. And this year, I'll deliver another surplus this year. And we'll invest that surplus into jobs, which is my number one priority, okay. is to raise income in the people in the state or down. Yeah, they, they really don't understand budgets. And if they did, they would know it would be lower next year. Dr. Munoz, let's you talk about budgets. Let's talk about budgets. $65 million for 514 full-time employees in DOH, $126 million for private companies. Public dollars siphoned off by private companies. Let's talk about the Department of Corrections, $277 million. Public safety, $168. But public defenders, $14 million. That's a value statement. You know, we need to make sure that we're taking money out of corporations' pockets and putting it in Rhode Islanders' pockets. Okay. Do the services that can support health care, housing, and our criminal justice system, which is failing our kids. Dr. Munoz, 13.6. <laughs> 
13.6, is it bigger or smaller under you? That's the, that's the So what I've just question. said right now is we've been privatizing our public sector departments. We can take that money back, increase our public sector employees. So from my perspective, it can be net zero or greater, one of the two. Net zero or greater. All right, I think we've got a variety of answers. Let's talk about... Because he said none of us on the stage except for him, Governor McGee said, understand budget. He did say that. Yeah. He did say that. He also... I understand he, this budget. He, if you, you, if you stand, knew this budget, you said it's going to be lower next year. You said understand budgets. Yeah. He also still, Gene has said that three of the things I've said are false and he's not responded to one of them. He's sort of thrown some slights around at us and what I'm seeing here is the arrogance of power. And what concerns me about that is that we have seen far too many times in this state people like this get into seats of power. He was appointed governor. He's under an FBI investigation. He laughed about it. It's not funny for the people of Rhode Island. I grew up here. We have seen this story too many times, Gene, and we heard Buddy Cianci say, many of us, you won't find any stains on this jacket a few months before he was convicted and hauled off to federal prison. So we deserve an answer. If you are indicted, will you resign? I'll make sure you get my address. I'll make sure that you'll get my address so you can send me an apology for that statement. The fact of the for matter what is, statement? what, what is I've done in the state, I, I know what I've done and I know what I haven't done. The FBI doesn't There's waste no its need time, to answer Governor. that question because it's never going to happen. So the, the, I've known what I've done and I haven't done. I've made decisions on the best interest of the people in the state of Rhode Island each and every single time, and we're getting the results. Okay. These are verbatim the right. same things Buddy Matt, I think, I, I think okay. we've made that point three All times right. now. He's given you the answer he's going to give you okay. tonight. Helena Bonanno, folks, you do know budgets. I know that as president of CBS. The governor says you don't. You square yeah, it for me here? I, I, I do know budgets. I, I ran a budget, as I said before, of $80 billion. I had 200,000 people f working for me. Uh, so I resent that statement. I also resent Nellie's statement that because I was a corporate CEO, I don't understand the power of what good business can do. In fact, I led the decision at CBS to get out of tobacco. This was a very hard decision in 2014. We walked away from $2 billion a year in sales because we put people over profits. And it was a tremendous decision. It was also very personal for me. I'd lost my own mother mm -hmm. to lung cancer. And so I talked to business leaders all over the state who think about their employees as their family. They want them to grow. We want businesses here to feel nurtured and encouraged so that they can hire more people. Okay. And I think under my leadership, you'll get a level of that that you won't get from anyone Secret else on this stage. Secretary Gabay. <laughs> Secretary Gabay, you can respond to her. Sure, at, no, let, what she I leveled think, at you, but then look, my, my question is, do you know budgets? Absolutely. You'll see that eight years of being Secretary of State, I've actually managed a state budget very well with investment of federal dollars, transformed an election system that included investments at the local state levels. And so, no, if there's anybody who actually understands budgets and how to run a very effective department or agency and can do it at a much bigger level now, it, it's me. Are you just, it are you so it's not about the size. Uh, it's about the relationships that you're able to form. It's the engagement from employees that you're able to bring forward. It's about the and by the way, you know, it's great. I love the fact that you took tobacco out of CVS. That's wonderful because it was a personal issue for you. But, but was it a personal issue for you when you laid off and referred to workers at Hudson Bay as low-hanging fruit? Oh, I'm, I'm glad that, you raised that. At the same time as you oh. actually walked out with millions and millions of dollars in pay. That I'm, is not the kind I'm of leadership proud. that in the public sector no, Nelly, we you've want. got that wrong. You've got Hudson's that wrong. Bay is where you went, after, went CBS. after CBS. Is that quote and, accurate? Did you call no, the low-hanging fruit? No, I, here's the low-hanging fruit. Did you, fruit. Did you actually call it? Let, let me get an answer. 
the low-hanging fruit was turning that business around, investing in technology, mm -hmm. investing in our people, making sure our frontline workers had the support they needed to give the service they had. We took that business under my leadership from burning a billion dollars a year in cash to cash flow neutral. Okay. That's exactly the kind Gene, of can leadership. Can we stop promoting CBS? Yeah. So it, it took cigarettes off the shelves and pushed pills on the streets. It took cigarettes off the shelves True. and pushed mm -hmm. pills on the streets. CBS is not an organization that we want to model in the state of Rhode Island. It is not. A multi-billion dollar budget's fine, but the values that drive the allocation of resources is far more important. And this discussion I, about I values and numbers. All right, it's fair, okay. Governor. I just like to respond to the budget issue. I thought we were here to talk about the state budget and not out of the budgets, right? So we're talking about the state budget. And the point was, if they knew the state, the current state budget, it is going to be lower next year because a billion dollars of that is going to be taken out and you're going to have a lower budget next year. They don't understand the state budget. I'll qualify that, state budget. Helena, okay. he mentioned the and, and also, uh, the, in yeah. terms of Secretary yeah. of State's office budget compared to the state budget, it's about 1,300 times more larger the state budget than the, than the, than the incredibly it's an agency where every single aspect of that agency runs incredibly well and I get thanked by small business people for how we've been able to turn it around in fact we had more business incorporations during the pandemic than at any other time in the history of the state while snap benefits which is a very similar process of you know processing applications you did not like open up the 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 offices so that snap benefits could be uh, given out and so real people had to go to food pantries because you were okay. not. So budgets have that. both sides. They have an income side and an expense side. Nellie's never managed the income side. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Munoz, <laughs> folks, thanks. You leveled a serious accusation regarding the opioid crisis. For CBS, absolutely. CBS. Uh, Adeline, do you have a right to respond yeah, to that? I'm happy that to was respond on your to watch. That. And I, I, I want to also connect a few dots here. First, I completely agree with Nellie's statement on uh, SNAP benefits. We were the only state in the country with fewer SNAP benefits. But Nellie, I also want to take issue with your taking credit for small businesses emerging during the pandemic, because that's exactly what happened across the country. Rhode Island was not special in that, and you really can't take credit for that. But on the opioid crisis, I want, I'm very glad this came up because there's so much false information. My heart absolutely breaks for everyone. And, and I met a woman last week who lost her son, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking. I also am just so angry at Purdue Pharma, which put all these pills out there. But under my watch, I did a tremendous amount to turn this around. I started as president in 2014, and for four years I led the retail business. Right. During that time period, we saw a 30% reduction in opioid prescribing under my watch. So those are real results, and they're very meaningful, and it took a lot of action to get there. And I'm proud of what I did both inside the company, across the industry, and working with 50 states, including Rhode Island, to reduce the number of pills that would be so out CBS on the street. Is still a CVS is still a perpetrator of high-cost health care. We are in a pandemic. The governor has dismantled testing sites currently. He did not handle the vaccine equity issue correctly. We organized that in the community. We drove those clinics. And at the end of the day, Matt Brown wasn't there. Helena folks was, you know, thinking about running for governor and setting back on these minute clinic CVS, you know, CVS models that do, did not okay. work for the pandemic for us. And we're going into the fall where we continue to face a pandemic. I am the right candidate for the right office at the right time. Five minutes till closing statements. And... And when we have to go to closing statements, we're going, let's talk about affordable housing. That's been every, on everybody's yep. uh, agenda. And then I want to talk about the homeless. Matt Brown, you camped out at the State House 
uh, to draw attention to the homeless problem. Would you put the homeless back in the Nilo Hotel if you're governor against the wishes of the community? Would you uh, do that? We need to shelter them. There are a lot of solutions to this. We need to build transitional shelter so that nobody sleeps outside in our state. And let's be really clear. We're living in the richest country in the world, Gene. It is a policy decision. It is a policy choice by the people in power that some of our people sleep outside. Doesn't have to be that way. Right. This governor took millions of dollars and gave it to the corporate developers to build luxury apartments in the Superman building that almost no one in the state can afford while we have people sleeping outside. Right, Transitional shelter, longer term, our plan is to build tens of thousands of truly affordable homes. We need to cap rent increases at 4%. Rents went up 34% in the last 18 months. People can't afford that. So we need to shift our priorities and we can do that. The neighbors up by the Nilo Hotel told Channel 10, uh, they walk by our house several times. They're seen looking in the yards. They're looking at the cars. The bus stop is a huge concern. They're walking by sometimes trying to talk to the children. I have nothing against homeless and I have nothing against crossroads. The issue I have is that they put this in a residential neighborhood. Alina, folks, would you do that? Would you give millions of dollars to Crossroads to put people in the Nilo again? We have a, we have a housing crisis, and I'll answer that, but I want to talk at the broader Please level. Please answer it first. Uh, I, at first, I think the big problem with Nilo was not communicating well with the neighbors, and I certainly would have done a better job of that. But on a more macro level, we're 20,000 units short. So we have a lot of people on the stage who say they've been working in housing forever who have not produced results. I did what anyone would do looking at a situation like this. I pulled experts together and I came up with ideas that were all on my website, mm -hmm. short, medium, and long term. They're all designed to deliver real results because I think the difference on this stage is not what ideas you have, but how you bring people together and really hold them accountable okay. for results. We're on a tight timetable, 30 seconds each. Nelly, would you put them back in the night? But I'm going to be the housing governor. How can you give me 30 seconds? Well, go no. ahead and take 40. All right. Anyway. Housing is the number one issue facing our state right now, and it is because housing is foundational to how well kids do in school. Housing is foundational to climate change issues. Housing is a social determinant of health. Every Rhode Islander deserves a safe and quality home. And I am the governor who knows how to do this. I was executive director of Housing Works Rhode Island. And yes, there are 2,000 homes that were built during the time that I was there. I know how to bring people together to get that housing built. And I have made a commitment through a very detailed housing plan to make sure that we solve this housing crisis once and for all and build a home building right. industry that's bar none I don't, in New England. I don't like to do yes or no. Would you put them back in the nilo against the residents' wishes? I would wishes? do it in a very different way. Okay, Governor, you did that. You gave them millions. Decision at the time. I put five million dollars on the table a few weeks before Matt decided to camp out in front of the state house. We were working with the providers to get that done. Uh, so yes, and by the way, we put additional dollars in. My promise is that they will not on the coldest day of the year there will be shelter for anyone who wants it in the state of Rhode Island. Dr. Munoz, would you do no, that? These organizations that we're working with continue to push resources into one side of the city and no one challenges it. The people in these organizations are getting six-figure salaries and not working with the communities, not working with Direct Action for Rights and Equality, not working with George Wiley Center, not working with organizations that are doing the mutual aid work. What we have to do in Rhode Island is have participatory budgeting. We have to have discussions on how we deal with homelessness in terms of not just the people on the street, but the people living on friends' couches. Are you going to give me a yes and, or a no? I'm gonna, what I'm going to say is we need a community-driven approach, and it is not pushing all of the resources that are needed to one side of a city because the power brokers are on the other side. All right, we are, stop we are stopping. We are stopping. We are going to closing statements. You will all get one minute. Please address this camera. By order of lot, Secretary of State Gorbea, you go first. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, everybody, for being here tonight. 
Right now, we need better leadership in this state out of the governor's office. And I know that you know that for 30 years, I have been working for Rhode Islanders. I have been the person who has worked in housing issues and helped build 2,000 affordable homes. I have been your secretary of state and made sure that we had transparent government and we did our lobbying laws to get rid of the stigma of 38 studios. I made sure that as Secretary of State, we protected the right to vote. And so as a candidate for governor now, you can trust what I'm going to say to you because I know how to get things done in the public sector. And it's by bringing people together. I have 30 years of working on these community problems and delivering real outcomes, real results. As a working mom of three kids, I know how hard it is out there. So we are going to fix this housing crisis. We are going to tackle the environment. We are going to have affordable childcare, and we are going to build a better Rhode Island for all of us. Thank you, Secretary Grabea. Uh, by order of the draw, Governor McKee, yes. your closing statement, Thank please. You. 18 months ago, I became governor in the biggest crisis, the biggest state of emergency in the history of the state of Rhode Island. Every decision I made was in the best interest of the people who live in the state of Rhode Island, and we got results from that. We went from the worst vaccinated state to the very best. We've gone from the uh, uh, opening of the economy, first in the Northeast, second in the country. We have the lowest unemployment rate, the history of the state of Rhode Island, and there's still good paying jobs available. I got a, got a message from Shannon Gilkey, actually, that the Woonsocket Training uh, uh, Center actually opened up this evening. We're doing the work each and every day that matters to the people of the state of Rhode Island, and at the same time, managed the largest surplus in the history of the state of Rhode Island. Eliminated the car tax, $250 for child credit. We also gave pension relief to the veterans for the first time ever, where they're not paying state taxes on their pensions. We're going to continue to work on the behalf of the people in the state of Rhode Island. I ask you for your vote on September 13th. Thank you, Governor. <laughs> Halita Bonanno, folks, your closing statement. I'm so thrilled to be with all of you tonight. And this is a critical election. We're coming out of COVID and we're getting billions of dollars coming our way. These dollars need to be put to our kids and our future. I listen to this debate tonight and I think about the career politicians. And I think to myself, is this status quo good enough? Are we going to be okay with meh? No, I think we deserve much, much better. We need a leader who knows how to bring new thinking, who has a new path, who's going to do great things for our children and our grandchildren so they can thrive here. I've led big, big change in my life and I've delivered real results and I know how to do that for Rhode Island. We'll get big things done on healthcare, on housing and on jobs of the future. But if you remember just one thing for tonight, it's education, education, education. I think it's the most critical thing that I can do as your governor. And I've said, I will hold myself accountable. If I don't improve our kids' scores, I won't run again. Because it's that important to our children, to our amazing teachers, and to everyone in this state that we have a thriving system. And I'm humbled and honored to ask for your vote. Thank you, candidate folks. Matt Brown, former Secretary of State. Matt Brown, your closing statement, please. Sometimes up here I feel like I'm at the Republican primary debate for governor, not the Democratic primary debate for governor. We've got uh, Miss Folks who donated to Mitch McConnell, and under her leadership at CVS, they were found responsible for fueling the opioid crisis. We have Secretary Gorbea, who uh, uh, takes fossil fuel contributions for her campaign who uses uh, MAGA propaganda in her ads, who worked for a Republican governor, 
and, uh, and worst of all, we have Dan McKee, who, uh, who is, administration is under an FBI criminal investigation. A third of those it's a investigations. Closing statement. It's a closing statement. There will be no interruptions. Take another 20 seconds. Go a ahead. third of those investigations end in indictment. There's a good chance he's going to be indicted in office. It doesn't have to be this way. I've spent my whole life serving our community, running organizations like City Year that provides tutors to our public schools. I don't take any corporate money for my campaign. As governor, I'll end the corporate giveaways, raise taxes on the rich and fund our schools, raise the minimum wage to $19, enact a Medicare for all system, and a yeah. Green New Deal. We can do all these things, and I ask for your support on September 13th. Thank you, Matt Brown. Our final closer is from Dr. Munoz. Look right at the camera. Yeah, Go ahead. Matt Brown took almost $10,000 from the Kid family that has $69 million invested in Hess Corp. Just mind, mind you that. I grew up in Central Falls. I experienced homelessness. I'm a medical doctor in this race in a time where we're facing a pandemic still. We need a free healthcare system. We need mixed low income subsidized and affordable housing. We need an equitable education funding formula. These things will not happen without political courage. I'll end my time with a story of Ellison Tarzan Brown, a person who ran barefoot until he won the marathon, Narragansett Indian tribal member. He died having sold every trophy for food because this state forgets about the working and the working poor. But when he climbed that mountain, they say a man rose up and an Indian nation descended. On September 13th, let the people vote Munoz and let's descend in victory for the Rhode Island. Thank you. Uh, that concludes our closing statements. I want to thank all of the candidates for stepping up and stepping in the arena. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. I appreciate and I believe our audience appreciates all of you and we appreciate your coming tonight. And I want to thank you for watching. That's our 2022, that's our 2022 Democrat gubernatorial debate. One of these people will be the, the candidate for the Democrat Party. Vote, it's coming up around the corner. We want to thank Johnson and Wales for hosting us tonight. We appreciate their facilities. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on the news.